something fresh, something new, something that you would have for us to do. God, use this passage of Scripture this morning to minister to us. In Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Before we get started, can I get my mic turned down just a teeny bit? Well, we are glad that you are with us here today. We are so excited to be in week number three of this series, Rerouting. We have looked so far at our, our mission and our vision statement here for the well. The well exists to impact Ionia with the gospel by people just like you sitting here today and those online, learning the Bible and then living out those biblical truths. And that's, that's our 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 why, but our what, our mission is to help everyday people uncover life-changing truths through Christ. And we've looked so far at two core values that help us accomplish this mission. So we've looked at our gathering in week number one. We talked about how our gathering should align with scripture and what that should look like. And then last week we looked at the topic of giving and how giving should be embedded into the very nature of who we are as believers. Not just monetarily, but like Jessica said earlier, we should be giving with our time, our talents, our treasures, and our touch for God. That's how we impact our community. Now today, though, I want us to look at our next core value, and that would be the core value of grow, or growing. And what does that mean for us as individuals? What does that mean for our church? And how, how does this play a part in what we're doing? And so if you've got your Bibles, I ask, please, open them up, uh, turn them on, but go to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. We're going to spend just a few moments reading a few passages of Scripture. Uh, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4 when we pick up Ephesians chapter 4. Um, but I have a question. <clears throat> I have a question for you this morning. How many of you would be willing to raise your hand um, and admit, admit guilt here? I have found myself more often uh, or more times than I would care to admit um, doing the same things that I used to do. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm making the same mistakes. I'm saying the same things. Any, any but just me? I'll raise both hands. All right, perfect. So there was a point in my life when um, I, had come, I had come to this place where I didn't want to be me anymore. I did not want to be the same person that did all of these things. I did not want to walk in my past self. I did not want to walk in condemnation any longer. And so, uh, obviously, um, as a man, this is an area that typically men struggle in. I'm not saying that ladies can't, but an area for me was that I did not want to seek out help. I wanted to just do it on my own. Anybody else ever find themselves in that place? Like, I know that things are wrong. I know that things are messed up. But yet I felt like I just wanted to fix it because I didn't want people to know what was truly going on in my life. And so I'm like, I will pick up and I will just, I'll, I'll read God's word. I knew God's word. I grew up in church. 
Um, I could tell you the, the passage of scripture and what the pastor was going to say when they'd be like, open up to this passage. And I'd be like, oh, I already know where they're going. And that was my mentality. But I came to this place where I'm like, oh, I'm just going to read God's word and I'm going to obey. Because we were always told, like, if we just obey scripture, uh, then everything's just going to be okay. And then I would be okay for a week or two weeks. And then I would fall right back into doing all of the same things over and over. And I was in this vicious cycle. This vicious cycle where a lot of Christians find themselves. I was stuck in a rut. And I actually needed somebody to come alongside of me to walk through those problems with me. A man who was a little bit more seasoned would be a good word that I would use. He wasn't old, he was seasoned. And this man walked alongside of me and helped me to understand God's word better. The Holy Spirit used this individual in my life to pray with me, to pray for me. This would be the guy that would come and he would ask me hard questions. The questions that I didn't want asked of me, but he would do it. And he knew that I needed it. And we as believers in this room, it does not matter where you find yourself, what season of your walk that you find yourself, you need someone to push you to grow. You need somebody. Why? Because more often than not, we find ourselves stuck in a rut. We will see here in Scripture in just a moment that growing is not a solo endeavor. It cannot be done alone. So often Christians have the I am an island unto myself mentality. And it cannot be that way. That is not the way that Christ created and instituted the church to operate. We as believers need people. It was a part of God's Designed to be connected to other people. Do you know that the scripture in the New Testament alone, there are 60 plus scriptures that are what I would call the one another's. The one another's of scripture. And they're the pieces of scripture that talk about our connectivity and our need of it with other believers. Those are the one another's of scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired the scripture writers to place those one another's in the Bible. Why? Because at some point in your journey of faith, you're going to need someone to help pull you out of the muck. You're going to. You need that. Growth does not happen in isolation. Growth happens in community. I'm going to say that again. Growth does not happen in isolation. It happens in community. Gold Star students, write that down, highlight it, mark it, etch it onto your hand, don't forget it. Okay? The church should be a place for everyday people to come and uncover life-changing truths. The church, we, the body, not this building, okay? We are the church. So people should be able to come to us. Now if I were to ask you right now, um, I, I would hope that we'd all be able to be honest while we're sitting in this worship service this morning. How many of you have room to grow? 
Every single hand better be up. Okay? Every single hand. The reality is that for many of God's people, we have become stuck in this place, or we've even plateaued in our walk. We plateaued. We find ourselves in this stale routine, the same old same, over and over and over. And we need one another. Look at this verse on the screen. Hebrews 10.24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. How do we do that? When we look at the marks of a healthy church, we know that one of the key areas to measure is that of spiritual growth. So my question that I pose to you before we dive any deeper is, are you stuck or are you growing? Are you stuck? Balcony, are you stuck or are you growing? Online, are you stuck or are you growing? I want to read a few verses that Paul lays out that are very clear for the church. And it's here in Ephesians chapter 4. And I would like for us to pick up, let's, we'll start in verse number 12. And it says, Ephesians 4.12, it says, To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Verse 13, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. To the measure, now, hold on, I'm going to stop right there. Ladies, do not tune out because that said manhood. Okay? Whenever the word son or man, or manhood, is used in the context of speaking to believers, that encapsulates every single believer whose life is stayed in Jesus Christ, okay? Women, do not nudge your husband because it said manhood, okay? Don't text him if he's not here, okay? But it says in verse number 13, we'll pick it up, it says, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, there's that word again, grow, so that it builds itself up in love. And this is God's word for us today. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and we ask of you now, Lord, to illuminate this scripture and to pierce our hearts. Help us to see the warning here in scripture as as to we need accountability, we need discipleship, we need brothers and sisters to come around us. God, help us not to push aside help. Help us to go away with a different thinking and different mentality about church life, about Christian life, and about discipleship. God, help us to see these amazing truths here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. 
It is very clear here from our text that we are to not only be growing, but we are to be growing together. And so the first thing I want us to see this morning is the admonition of God's word. The admonition of God's word, and that is to grow There are two times in which Paul tells this specific church we are to be growing. I want to read it to you again in verse number 13. It says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now I need you guys to see something here. That word unity is typically pulled out of context. People say the word says that we are to be united, okay? And most of the time when people see and hear the word unity, they think of actually the word uniformity. That everyone's supposed to be on the same page about every single thing. And that is not even remotely close to what God's word says. God's word says unity. Unity meaning that we are all moving in the same direction and that's closer to Christ. That does not mean that we all have to think the same way. That does not mean that we all have the same spiritual giftings. That does not mean that we all talk, teach, preach, or pray the same way. That means that we're all moving towards God. Unity, not uniformity. That word, grow here, however, in these few verses is spoken about several times throughout Scripture, not just here. The other apostles, the other writers of the Scripture continuously tell us as a body of believers we are to be growing. Look at this verse coming onto the screen now. It says 2 Peter 3.18. It says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. If we take the main theme of that verse, that can you put that verse back up there for me? If you take the main theme of that verse, and then the verses here in Ephesians that we read, they show us three specific areas, and they're all linked, and they show us these should be the primary areas of growth in the life of a believer. So the first thing I want us to see is that we are to be growing in our understanding of God's Word. We are to be growing in our understanding of God's word. Now, please understand something. Bible knowledge, Bible knowledge is important. It is important to know God's word. But knowing God's word cannot be seen as an academic exercise. It cannot be seen as just a way to to be smarter than the next person about God's Word. That's not what this is about. God's Word is truly not known in the life of a believer until it's being lived out. I'm going to say that again. God's Word is truly not known in the life of a believer until it's being lived out. There is a real danger here in Scripture and throughout Scripture that tells us what happens when we just look at God's Word as though it is knowledge. 1st and 2nd Corinthians tells us that knowledge puffs up. That knowledge puffs up. This is not a knowledge. This is I have experienced God in my life and I'm no longer the same. 
That's what this is. We never should find ourselves in the place of being a spiritual elitist. Never. You are not holier than the next person. Nobody in this room, not even myself, is holier than the next person sitting here. Why? Because we are all sinners and we are striving to attain to the unity of the faith. It's not my faith, it's the faith of Jesus Christ. There's no amount of knowledge, none, that will ever compensate for love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. No amount of knowledge will ever compensate for the fruit of the Spirit. None. The problem many believers have, though, and I found myself here many times in my walk, is that we have created a taste for the things of the world. We've, we have allowed the taste buds of our heart to be saturated with worldliness through our movies and through our TV shows and through our computer screens and through our cell phones and through our music. But God's word tells us very clearly, very clearly that we are, to, we are to be changing, we are to be growing up in Christ who is the head of the church. You do not learn more about Christ from watching reality TV shows. You do not learn more about Christ and how to be changed from listening to God-awful rap music that cusses and squares and degrades women. You do not. You do not learn more about God from watching inappropriate content on your computer or on your cell phone or on your TV screen. You learn more about God from the very thing that we were given right here and we can read it freely and that's the very word of God. And yet people choose to turn on their TV screens and they choose to, to get on their phones and they choose to, to, to operate in these certain ways and waste so much time instead of cracking open God's word and allowing it to saturate us. Change will never occur in our life until we know Christ and we allow him to change us. When we're obedient to what his word says. I was stuck in my rut over and over and over again because I did not bow my will to God's. I wanted what I wanted. Change didn't occur in my life until I surrendered. Till I laid myself down. Do I still mess up? Do I still make mistakes? Yes, I do. Because I'm a sinner. But I can tell you right now in my life, I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was a year ago. And that's glory to God because He was faithful when I submitted. Because He was faithful. We are to be growing in our understanding of God's Word. We're also to be growing in grace. Growing in grace. So I just want to hit you with a little bit of truth this morning. If I were to ask you, how do you feel 
about the level of grace in your life. The grace that you extend to other people. Nine times out of ten, the believer would give themselves an A in that category. But what if I asked your spouse to grade your grace level? What if I asked your children to grade your grace level? Do you think that they would give you the same grade that you would give yourself? Probably not. Just if we're honest, probably not. Grace comes the closer that we get to God. Do you know that a fruit tree will never eat its own fruit? I want you to think about that. A fruit tree never eats its own fruit. But what does that have anything to do with what we're talking about? I'll explain. The apple tree cannot tell me how sweet the apple is. I have to taste it for myself. I love apples. Granny Smith are some of my favorites. There's a little tartness. I'm sorry. The apple tree cannot taste its own fruit. The orange tree does not eat the orange and say, yep, this is the perfect orange, and then give those to everybody else. When I experience grace from other people is when I experience Christ best from other people. Did you catch that? When I experience grace from my wife, I'm getting the best picture of Christ. I can't give grace to myself and experience Christ best because I think I'm better than I truly am. The apple cannot eat its own fruit. Part of of growing, however, in grace is engaging in interacting with people. It's engaging with people. The, the pursuit of, of growth and true, genuine change cannot happen alone. It cannot happen alone. We are to be growing in godliness. We are to be growing in godliness. I want you to see back in verse number 15. It says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. Do you realize that strong preaching in sound biblical truth does not produce hard people? It produces loving and grace-filled people. You guys are staring at me like, what? Strong preaching and sound biblical content does not produce hard people. It produces loving and grace-filled people. 
That's what happens. We are to be growing in our understanding of God's word. We are to be growing in grace. We are to be growing in godliness. But like I said, this does not happen alone. So there is something here. There's an admonition in Scripture for us to grow. But there is something else that we need to see this morning in God's Word. And that is the importance of accountability. The importance of accountability. The Bible has, the Bible has a word for people who don't want to grow. If I were to ask a group of believers what accountability is, if I asked 10 people, I would get 10 different answers. But if I were to actually get to the heart of the problem in someone's life or in my own life, I think we all hate accountability as much as we hate the dentist. I'll go only when I have to when it's gotten really bad that I can't do anything else about it. But you want to know what God's Word says? What God's Word says about this? Proverbs 12.1 says, The man who loves discipline loves knowledge. But the man who hates reproof or correction is stupid. Is stupid. The person who doesn't like to be corrected in love, they're stupid. Do you want to fall into that category? I know I don't. I do not want to be labeled by God's word as stupid. We need to know how important it is to have other people sharing biblical truth and helping those things be lived out. Proverbs 26.12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? No, there is more hope for him, for the fool, than for the man who thinks that he is wise. Why do you think there was such an emphasis on groups several months ago? Why is that? Because there's a level of, of spiritual growth and accountability that comes from groups. And we're going to be relaunching our groups ministry in the fall time. And we are going to be very, very intentional with what we do with groups because we want to model very closely with what God's Word tells us to do with them. That's why we're also going to be launching a discipleship ministry because we all need to be growing up in Christ, just like God's Word told us, so that we wouldn't be tossed to and fro by every doctrine. What that means there, what that scripture means is that we would know truth and we would be able to combat false truth or lies. When preachers step up on to stages, we should know what they're saying is true and based solely upon God's word. You should never ever sit out here or sit online and think to yourself, it's true just because the pastor said it. 
You should go home and do the work and dig in when you have questions. And if you can't figure it out and you can't find it out for yourself, you should go to someone who is not, not just a trusted friend, but someone who understands God's word. Because guess what? Sinners can still lead you astray even if they're your friend. The enemy and your flesh want nothing more than for you to become isolated in your living or inflated in your thinking. Isolated, I'm all alone, I'm an island unto myself, or no, I've got this, I can take care of it on my own. Those are two bad theology thinkings, okay? You never want to find yourself there because that's where Satan gets a foothold in your life and guess what, you go spiraling down quicker than you know because one, it takes one slip and you're gone. One. That's all it takes. My flesh and your flesh is right here behind you every single day that we live this Christian life, which is why we are to continue striving for Christ. We're facing this one direction. You know, God's word tells us that the way to God is narrow, and there are few, few who walk it. Few. Accountability is crucial. It's important. When we push away accountability and keep people at arm's length, we close off our life to fellowship and we close our life to getting and attaining help from other people. Proverbs 15, 31 and 32 says, The ear that listens, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. But whoever ignores instruction despises himself. But he who listens to reproof or correction gains intelligence. Gains intelligence. What about this one? Hebrews 3, 12 and 13 says, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil and unbelieving heart. What happens to the evil and unbelieving heart? It leads you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another to every day. I was just talking to somebody about this a few days ago. We are to exhort one another every day as long as it's called what? I'm sorry? Today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So that you're not hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Leave that verse up there if you would for me. Do you see it? It says exhort one another every day. We are to be helping our brothers and sisters in Christ to not have hardened hearts. There is a specific way, though, to exhort your brother and sister. There's a specific way to build up a friend, another churchgoer, to exhort. To exhort someone means to urge or encourage them. It means to compel them to do something or to not do something. 
if an exhortation does not immediately require anything from us, it's not an exhortation. I'm going to say that again. If, if, if I'm urging or encouraging someone to do something and it doesn't require of me to do anything, then it's not an exhortation. I'm not doing anything. An exhortation is not walking up to someone and saying, that dress looks beautiful today. That is a nice thing to say. And I'm not saying don't say nice things. But that's not an exhortation. That's not what that is. That's telling a brother or a sister, listen, I don't think that you should do this because you're going against God's word. I don't think that you should watch that movie. I don't think that you should go to that concert. I don't think... You know what? I think you need to go and pray with that person. Those are exhortations. They're forcing people to step out of their comfort zone and do something that will help and benefit their life. When it says to exhort one another, the exhorting goes in more than just one direction. This is not just five people in the whole church body walking around and exhorting every single person. That is every person who is a believer is to urge and encourage and compel one another. Every person. So do not walk around and say that exhortation is not my spiritual gift because guess what? God's Word commands it to be. Do not say that I can't exhort someone. I can't speak truth to another person. You are commanded by Scripture to do so every day as it is called today. And guess what? It will be today until the Lord takes us home. It says that we are to have a rhythm of exhorting. That means it happens continuously. Over and over and over again. Why? Because guess what? When we neglect to urge or encourage or compel other people, sin will deceive a man's heart and they will fall away. That's what happens when we neglect the command of Scripture. I have known way, way too many people who have fallen away from Christ because they had nobody. I have known pastors that have fallen. I have known just simple people in church that marriages have been crushed because a spouse needed someone to urge and encourage them and they had nobody. We need to be a church that pushes people to grow. Not for the sake of numbers here at the well. Not for the sake of bringing in money or people so that people do not ruin their lives and walk away from Christ. Accountability needs to happen in the life of every single believer. And we should never abandon that thought. Ever. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been a believer. I don't care if you were saved yesterday or you were saved 55 years ago. You need someone in your life that will walk alongside of you to urge 
to encourage, to compel. That's discipleship. That's why we have groups. And if you're in here right now in this place, and you're like, I need that. I don't have that in my life. I want you to come and see me after church. I'm going to stand right down here. I'm going to stand right here, and I will take the list of names of every single person who falls in that category. And I better see that line from here all the way out the door, because every single person needs that in their life. Exhortation. Commanding. We see the admonition of Scripture to grow. The warning. We see that we need accountability. So now I'm going to take this really practical and I'm going to let you be. So I want you to see practical action steps. Things that we can do. So the first one I want us to see here is that we need to stop living in isolation. Stop living in isolation. The first step for some of you may be that, and that's coming to and getting plugged in to church. Not that I'm going to show up when it feels okay or when the weather's nice or when I had eight hours of good sleep on Saturday. And just, no, come and get connected. Those of you online, do not live any longer in isolation. Reach out for help. Reach out for help. Those of you who are here, keep coming back. Keep coming back. The next thing I need us to see, the next practical step, is to start sharing your life. Start sharing your life. If you're a woman in this room, go to the women's Bible study on Monday nights. Go. Connect with other women. It's healthy. If you're a man in here, go on Friday nights. The men's group is awesome. I can't really speak to the women's group because I'm not there. But it's great, right? Ladies, would you guys, those who are going, would you agree, right? Come, get connected. When, When we do our discipleship class, when, when we do groups and we relaunch, get connected. Don't wait. You can start meeting with people right now. There are still groups that are meeting. Get connected. Stop isolating yourself. Stop, stop, stop. And then start sharing your life. Do you know that the Bible knows nothing of our isolated Western way of church life? That's why I told you at the very beginning that there are 60 plus one another's. The church constantly gathered together in people's homes. That's where the church started. That's how church got planted all throughout the entire New Testament. They gathered together. The next thing is to serve somewhere. Serve somewhere. Newsflash, this just in. There are places for you to serve here at the well. Children's ministry. First impressions. Cleaning. Tech ministry. They're up there waving their hands. I wasn't going to forget about you. 
youth ministry, there are many places for you to get plugged in and get serving. Do not come here just to be a sponge to take it all in. We should come as, don't, don't take that as Josh that I don't have to come to church. No, come, come and, and, and hear God's word, but don't just be the sponge and soak it in all the time every single week. There are plenty of ways to get plugged in and serving. The next, the scariest, share the gospel. Share the gospel. We are to go and make, and I'm going to touch on this next week, hence go, gather, give, grow, go. But we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all of what Christ said. Evangelism. You know the church is not responsible to provide for you opportunities to share the gospel. It is not my job to give you times to tell people about Christ. You connect with people all the time outside of this building. That means you have a mission field. You have a moment or a window of opportunity to share what Christ has done in your life. Live on mission means to go when you walk outside of these four walls, which is why there's a sign above the doors that say you're entering your mission field. Everyone has a circle of influence. Share the gospel. And the last one is the perseverance. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Do you know that God is not looking for us to live in, in a sinless perfection state like His Son did? He's not looking for that. He is, however, calling us as believers to faithfulness. And guess what? One of my favorite, favorite verses. Sorry, it's another one. But it's going to come onto the screen for you. And it's 2 Peter and it says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It says that His divine power has granted to us what? All. And what does that word mean? All. It has, the, it has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. God has given us everything that we need for this life. Do you know that growth starts happening when we faithfully yield our life to the process that God has established? When we allow God to sanctify us, our life starts to change. We're different. I may go home and look like the same exact person in the mirror. But when God gets a hold of my life, and I faithfully yield to Him, I'm changed from the inside out. And people can see it because of the way that I live, because of the things that I watch, the things that I listen to, and the way that I speak. That doesn't mean I don't fail or mess up. It just means that I'm not the same person I was yesterday, or a week ago, or a month ago, or a year ago, or ten years ago. It's that I'm striving to attain to the unity of faith in Christ. So my question for you 
My question for you in this place is where do you need to start? Who's your accountability? What needs to change? Where can you serve? How can I get plugged into a group? We've answered those questions, but you've got to answer it for yourself, for your family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and we thank you for Scripture. We thank you for truth. We thank you for the challenge of your Word. We thank you so much, God, that, that you would allow for these words to be written. We ask of you now, Lord, to please challenge us to take a stand, to make a choice before we walk outside of this building to do what you have called us to do. God, give us the strength. Help us to live in submission to you and obey your word. And I ask and pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you guys for being with us this morning. We love you guys. We hope you have a blessed week. We will see you next week. And you are sent.